the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, greetings. Good afternoon to you. Still loving the uh, little jazz trio that's in studio with us. I love those guys. Very much They're so. here every day. Mm-hmm. I love them. They you know, cook up something new for us. Always good. Mm-hmm. Kathy, you look lovely today in your pink. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Is, are you saying that because it's hashtag National Compliment Day? Partly, mm-hmm. but it's true. You that's do. nice. Mm-hmm. And Mike, no one wears a pair of headphones like you. you look very good. <laughs> that's a lame compliment. No, it's no, it's fine. That was lame. No, it wasn't no, lame. No, it was lame. Because everyone wears headphones here. But... It's a job kind of centric thing. So, you know, I like to see somebody with their headphones on, don't you? Well, because you, oh, so you're saying I don't, you don't like my earbuds. Yeah, I don't like your earbuds. No. So Mike and I wear traditional Sony, you know, studio phones, mm-hmm. right? Cans, as guys call them inside the biz. Cans. <laughs> and Kath is wearing like something like she's on the subway with a couple of earbuds. I, I mean, you're not, it's not like know this why, is though? new. This is like my fourth year doing mm, this. Because vanity has overtaken uh-huh. Kath. You know what? She's going to mess That's, up her hair. Yeah, I'm tired of it. Listen, I'm the only woman in this department. Oh, and, no. all, and all of you guys just pull your headphones off and it's no big deal. No. I pull my headphones off. It's pulling my hair. There's pieces of hair in my headphones. It's messing everything up. Finally, a couple years ago, three, four years ago, I thought, why am I doing this? They make studio earbuds, don't they? And I went on a search and they sure do. Mm-hmm. And I've used them ever since. All right. You know, speaking of compliments in hair. Yeah. No one. Can rock a receding hairline like you, John. <laughs> now that's just a speaking of that. Hashtag my, National Compliment Day. Thank you so much. No one can rock. You know, I shaved my beard. Yeah. No one I, even talked I, about it. I, Mike never even noticed it. How could you not have noticed he, that? He never noticed it. You I know didn't. what? I, I shaved my. Okay, here's what happened. What's today? What's today? Wednesday? Monday, I went home and I was looking at my beard and I was like, uh, I'm going to trim it up a little bit. So I pulled out the electric, you know, trimmer. Mm-hmm. I'm going, eh, 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 and I was like, oh, that's not good. So I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And then my face was bleeding. Mm-hmm. So I thought, just coming off. So I shaved it all off. And then I went to bed. I woke up Tuesday morning. My 17-year-old kid looked at me. My wife looked at me. No one said anything. I came to work. I walked in. Hey, Mike. He said, hey, man, how you doing? I was here. The only person who said anything to me, wait, wait, wait. Earlier in the day, the only person who said anything was our general manager. He actually, he was like, hey, hey, all right, all right, you got rid of that. And then you walked in immediately, Kath. You Thank said, you. what's up with you? You shaved. Yeah, what that, I mean, aren't you, I feel like we work closely enough, the three of us, that you should clear some big decision like that with the group. Not let it go. I don't think you can make an independent, like, what if I came in and I was like a blonde tomorrow or something? I would comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd mock me. Yeah. Comment on it. Have you ever dyed your hair blonde? Never. 
Would you consider Can you it? how bad I would look with blonde hair? <laughs> no, people do that all the time. Yeah, about- but here's the thing. That's not – that's a mistake a lot of the time. What? When because, you dye your hair blonde? Because – well, I'm not saying that people shouldn't dye their hair because for heaven's sake, I should dye my hair. But there's something about like your hair – color matching your skin tone Mm -hmm. and when you mix that up and go a little too far away from what god gave you initially you start to look a little freaky what about blonde what about blonde highlights i have those i'm fine with those i support them streaks and tips is that what it's called i'm fine with the streak and a tip john do you use a touch of gray Uh, i don't No. Uh, i use a touch of nothing is there is there a grecian formula do you still make grecian formula i don't know let's find out okay no i i don't use anything i use a little bit of um you know doodab on my hair Mm -hmm. sure which mm-hmm. is what I have left. You know, I like the doodab. You know, it's like a bird's nest up there. Yeah. I think you've got to be careful when you're dyeing your hair. I am sure. Mm-hmm. How about when men dye their hair? Is that easy to spot Why or what? is it weird when it's a guy and then with like every woman who's over the age of 35 dyes their hair? Not every woman, but a no. lot. I would say the majority. Do you think the majority of women over age 35 dye their hair? Uh, majority? I can't comment on that. I don't okay. know. My wife doesn't. Okay. Your wife doesn't dye her no, hair? No, she doesn't. Okay. Um, I should dye mine. But, uh, Just in case anyone's wondering, does Kathy Evans dye her hair? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Kathy Evans does dye her hair. I'm here to confirm that. Hi, I'm John Hall with my pillow. You know, Kathy Evans dyes her hair. And when she lays her little head down on the pillow at night, just say that. Uh, no, because um, when guys dye their hair, mm-hmm. they often do it like at home. And it looks really obvious. Yeah, it looks really bad. It's like black. Yeah, it looks super like, bad. Where's that shoe polish right. coming from? Right. 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 So I would I not totally do that. I totally agree. I agree. And let's be honest. Most, most of the time when women dye their hair at home, it doesn't look as good. Now, some people can do it really well. I have never tried because I'd be horrible mm-hmm. at it. I've mm-hmm. tried to cut my own hair. And that has been like, <laughs> now's my time to go on like a three-month like solitary vacation so that no one sees me cut your hair yeah that's not good that's, you unless never, you're like double jointed and you've got like eyes in the back your of your hair. head no should I, never cut I, I got a photo but, of it, my... but it, no it's not that you cut try to cut the back of your hair it's like i've tried to do what you did with your beard just do you a little think, quick trim. Oh, you know, my hair's a little long. I'm just going to trim that a little bit. And then you fall it into a hole. It never goes well. No, never, never does. No. Never works out. I got a photo of my mother washing her head in mayonnaise. And I'm not quite sure what that was about. She have lice? No, no. <laughs> no. I, That's that, my mom. Don't be like saying that about my mom. <laughs> this is National Compliment Day, Mike. Yeah, Mike. My mom and lice. Don't be saying that. No, no. That, that, was, a, that was a hair conditioner. Exactly. Kind of like beer. What? There was also a oh, thing yeah, that you sure. could yeah, put yeah. your hair in mm-hmm. beer right, right, right. or um, uh, coconut oil. Coconut That's oil. like the current version. Okay. People put coconut yeah. oil in their hair, which, like, how do you get that? Oh, that would be hard. My oh. wife does that. She what, puts coconut, coconut oil, oil in yes. her hair? Yeah. Really? Or mayonnaise. And coconut oil. Uh-huh. Okay. And she uses it for, you know, instead of using lotion for cracked hands, right. she uses it. What that is as coconut well. oil? I mean, is it really oil from a coconut? Well, if it's not, it's badly named. <laughs> Of course that's what it is. Well, who ever heard of coconut oil? I never did. I Until mean, right now, you never heard of coconut oil? No, I've heard of coconut milk and coconut, you know, like you eat, but never coconut oil. What are they doing? John, I've got, I have like a two-gallon drum of it in my kitchen. What? Yes. Coconut oil? Do you use it to cook? You, yeah. Yeah, me too. But here's the thing. Now I'm hearing, I'm hearing about how bad it is for you when you cook with it. Why? What? Yeah, in the last six months, there's been all this data that's no. come out that says that all the whole rush to saying how healthy it was really? was incorrect, and now it's not very good for you. I'm going to dye my hair with coconut oil. I don't even care. It's just how it works. Hey, hey, we got a good show for you today, do we not? This is day three of our conversion series. Thank you to so many of you who've called and emailed and texted. No, nobody's texted me because I'm not giving up my number. <laughs> direct, 412. Direct. 
messaged me. Texted me. <laughs> uh, about the conversion series. And let me tell you, if you missed any portion of these conversion stories, please go on to johnandkathyshow.com. johnandkathyshow.com. That's our website. Everything that we have aired is up there, plus additional content as well. And uh, you can listen to anything you'd like. But conversion continues today in the 5 o'clock hour. Very nice. We're going to step away for just a minute. And um, we're going to hear a- another story of conversion and what it is to evangelize on college campuses. Plus, we'll be tossing around more compliments on National Compliment Day. And I'm eating peanut m and on National Peanut Butter Day. And you smell very nice as well. <laughs> 101.5 WORD. Later tonight, the story begins with a greeting. Hi, Dan. Welcome to Hope. June Hunt helps to reveal the stories of listeners across the country who are dealing with life's challenges. The stories are all different, all unique, yet often they can be your story. Struggles with marriage, dependencies, addictions, and questions of self-worth. June brings biblical hope and practical help. June Hunt talks to you live tonight starting at midnight on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. Individual results may vary. Sophia went through a lot of tutoring and got minimal results. For her ADHD, she was almost off the charts. None of the typical therapies met her needs. We felt like we were constantly playing catch-up. There was great guilt, like I had done something wrong. I hadn't taught my child what she needed to learn. She wasn't functioning in society. I knew I knew this was going to be the solution. Brain balance is the answer for your kid because it didn't just mask the problems. It actually addressed the issue. That little girl that wants to do well, that wants to please, that wants to make the right choices is actually able to make the right choices and to please now. This is not my kid anymore. This is this totally different kid. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. It has completely completely changed our lives. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323 or go to selectquote.com since 1985 we shop you save get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials or price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states if you're a small business first impressions can make all the difference with grasshopper you get all the features of a professional business phone system on your mobile phone choose a business phone number make calls and send texts Stay connected and work from anywhere with features like Wi-Fi calling and our desktop app. Set up your account in minutes with no long-term contracts and 24-7 customer support. Make your small business big. Now get $20 off your first month when you visit grasshopper.com slash radio. That's grasshopper.com slash radio.
Hey, welcome back to Hip Cats. Good to be along on the uh, 4 o'clock hour of the ride home. So 5 o'clock all this week, we're doing a series called Conversion. And essentially, it is people's stories of how they came to Christ. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, well, you know, um, my story's not really that interesting because... You how know, many I, people said that to you when you asked them? Oh, more than half of the people that I asked said that same thing. Well, you know, I was born into the church. and That's so not I'm, really a very good story. Yeah, so you know, I'm not sure you really want to hear this. And then they would tell me the story, and you go, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. So we've heard all of these stories, and we're playing f- for you this week, broadcasting more than 20 of them. Every one of them is a story of great impact. Mm-hmm. And they're all, with, you know, we talked about this a couple of days ago, so unique. And you think, well, wait, how can they be? There has to be some commonalities. And there are commonalities, but there's just none of them that I would confuse with another one. Every single one of them, just like every single one of us, I guess, our stories are just like we are. We're just one of a kind. And the thing is, when you tell your story or you hear someone else's story, of course, you're changed because God reveals himself in different ways at different times, right? So uh, Doug Shop joins us right now. Doug is the National Evangelism Director for InterVarsity, author of several books, including Breaking the Huddle. Doug, we welcome you to the show. How are you, sir? Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Doug, when I was on Twitter this morning, I was kind of looking and, you know, see, you know, Twitter can be such a cesspool um, of, you know, opinion and, you know, bravado and, you know, the, the absolute squashing of any other opinion. But but a couple people shared stories today on Twitter. You know, this happened to me last night. So over yep. maybe three or four tweets, they shared a story. And I thought to myself, that's what is so compelling. There's something you get from a story. That is different than you get from a textbook or you get from a sermon or you get from a pod. There's something about a story. So, Doug, do you feel the same way? I do. I do. Uh, Jesus was the best storyteller. If you think about the Gospels, they're just full of incredibly memorable stories. Why? Because they stick in our minds and we get in their shoes and we walk with them and we we learn from other people's stories like they're our friends. Yeah, uh, and so that's that's what we do is we try to get everybody to tell their story in a way that is simple and compelling and is themselves. Um, you don't have to be someone else's story; you just have to be comfortable with your own story and find ways to help that be winsome and clear. So, Doug, a, a National Evangelism uh, Evangelism Director for InterVarsity. So you must hear a lot of stories. But like like Kath and I said at the very beginning, people say, well, you know, my story's not really that interesting. But I'm sure you've heard some incredible stories that people deemed, quote, not interesting, unquote. It's a common, uh, it's a common whether you have church background or no church background. We see college students coming to faith in record numbers today, really? and what we what we like to do is we like to open up the prodigal son, and we like to say a lot of us are either the younger son coming back to the father for the first time, or we're the older son in the field working for the father, thinking that he wants servants when he wants a son. And so we have them tell their relationship with God's story through the lens of the prodigal son or the older son, because if you've grown up in church, at some point, you fell into the thing of God wants rules and wants me to keep it together in a certain way, but actually God wants relationship. And so whether you've been in church your whole life and you can talk about how God wants relationship, not rules, or you've been far from God and coming back, those are both life-changing stories. I was thinking about the book of Acts and kind of how we see the outgrowth of the life of the apostles. 
and how each one of them, you know, lived their life, developed their own thing, but each one of them had their own story. So even though they had all lived together with Jesus, their personal stories weren't the same either. That's right. Um, and Acts one eight says, you will be my witnesses. What's a witness do? A witness stands on the witness stand and doesn't testify to things they know nothing about. A witness just says, this is what I saw. This is what I know to be true. That's what we get. We all get to do is say, this, this is what I know to be true about my relationship with God. We don't have to pontificate and become some apologetics expert, but just stand on what our experience has been, and that's being Jesus' witness. So, Doug, what's it like on the college campuses today? Both Kath and I, we have, um, Kath has a freshman, I've got a sophomore, and, and they're attending a Christian college. But I think, you know, we've got some idea living through our own children what it might be like at, at, a, at a college. But you're saying that record numbers of, of college students are coming to Christ. What's that like, and how has that changed? Oh, it's so amazing. Uh, we're on 680 secular campuses across the country. We serve 40,000 uh, students and faculty, and uh, 15 years ago, our average was 1,500 conversions a year, and today we've seen incremental growth till we tripled that, and today we're at 4,500 conversions a year. Wow. So uh, we've never in our 75-year history had such fruitful evangelism and conversion on campuses, uh, and we're helping people where they are, move toward Jesus on campus. Uh, we, we call it the five thresholds of conversion, and if people are merely curious, we help them become mere, more curious. If they're becoming open to change for the first time, then we help them become more open, and then we help them become seekers. So what's happened, Doug? I mean, what's changed? You would think, at least I would think from the outside looking in, that the inverse would be true, that less college students, you know, they're stressed out or they're involved in social media or, you know, drugs, drinking, sex, the typical college routine that we're, you know, the narrative that we know so well. But you're saying the opposite is true. When university, university talks about this, what's the answer of why? Yeah, uh, we've seen a dramatic culture change in our own ministry, and we figured out it's not just the people with the gift of evangelism who do evangelism. We help everybody tell a story about themselves. Mm -hmm. So it actually fits right into your series perfectly, Mm -hmm. because if every new believer can become a witness, then talking about faith is normal. And that's Mm -hmm. what we do. Within the first two weeks of of new faith, we coach them to tell their story and invite their non-Christian friends to come hear their story. And so sometimes we even see movements of conversions where one friend will share their story, and then within six months, all ten friends have become followers of Jesus. Pretty amazing. We talk about sharing our faith, sharing our, our worldview, our perspective with friends, and we often hear from listeners and people who write to us that they don't feel capable of doing it. They're, it's not that they don't want to because they don't believe that their own conversion story is real. They just feel like they're not they're not intellectually up to it. They're not going to have all the answers, right? Um, so talk about mm-hmm. the importance of telling your story versus going into any encounter, feeling like you're going to be able to answer any single question. Yeah, evangelism is not trying to be the Bible answer, Bible answer man. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I learned from Becky Pittford when I was in college is it's totally fine to say, you know, that's a really good question. I have no idea, but I'm going to go look into that, and I'll get back to you. 
Um, and then to have an, you know, intellectual integrity, we have to then go do a little reading or research on the web. But then God's using that other person in my life to make me a deeper thinker. Um, so it's not that we need to be scared of questions that we can't answer. We allow God to deepen our own thinking and say, thank you for that really good question. I have no idea. I'm going to go learn about that. And then let me tell you a story about how God's at work in my life today. Mm-hmm. So, Doug, what about the idea of Christians and community? Um, I've known people who have been intentional where, say, maybe um, – Three or four couples, married couples, move into an area that they are, you know, they're going to buy houses and they're going to geographically plant themselves and say, we are going to be Christian light and salt in this community. And then by doing so, we hope to transform those around us, our neighbors, and then beyond that. Um, oftentimes when I hear that, I mean, it sounds like a great idea, but oftentimes it fails for any number of reasons. Can you talk about that that sense of community and how we can be effective in those communities? Absolutely. Uh, within our varsity on campus, we find that our life together, our, our living in community, whether it's in the dorms or in, in departments, is one of the most winsome apologetics that we have. Uh, people see real relationship. They mm-hmm. see reconciliation. We live out the love that we have in front of non-Christians. We welcome them into the love. And we find that often they belong before they believe. And so they join our communities, they join our faith, and then they realize, oh my goodness, the thing that makes you guys so amazing is Jesus is at the center. Well, then I want to follow Jesus. So they see the community and they join. In fact, that's what Breaking the Huddle is all about, is how communities can do evangelism together Mm -hmm. instead of it just being an isolationist uh, endeavor. Mm Okay, with only a few minutes left, um, I really appreciated how you said that you that evangelism is not being the Bible answer man. It's just testifying to what you know. So if someone calls you into a courtroom and asks you to be a witness, you're not supposed to explain the whole case, <laughs> right, to the exactly. judge or to the jury or to anybody in the courtroom. That's not your job. Your job is to just tell people what you saw, what you know. Yep, Exactly. And then um, sometimes people, um, when they come from a church background, they talk a lot of religious jargon. Mm -hmm. I talk about church, and I talk about Bible, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that we help them do is we say, why don't you think about a specific area of your life and tell the story of how you used to be this way and then how God is helping you be transformed. So, for example, I used to be a coward, and I talk about an example of my life of how I was fear-bound. And then I talk about how, um, by having a real experience of God, he helped set me free from my fears, not completely, but in a significant way. And today, I'm more brave than I used to be. And that is a very simple but helpful way to show people God can make a real difference with real issues in our lives. Oh, that's cool. And everybody's got one of those. Yeah, and when people hear that, they go, wait a second, so... Uh, I'm a coward too, so if it helped that guy, then I want the same thing that that guy has. Help me get on that same path. And that's what people desperately want to know today is not um, what do you think, Doug, but do you have something real? And if you have something real, I'm interested. And that's what college students are saying today is they're interested. If we know, if if our experience of God is real, they want to buy in. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you. It Thank you been. so much for joining us on the show today. It was a perfect kickoff to day three of our conversion series. 
may everybody feel a little bit more encouraged to tell a little bit of their story yeah. to somebody who needs some hope today. Thank very, you. Very nice. Pleasure. Doug Shop. he's the National Evangelism Director for InterVarsity, author of Breaking the Huddle. Hey, stick around. Our 5 o'clock hour, we've got four great stories about how people came to Christ in their own lives. There's a strange world that you enter when you get married. A world of nail clippings on the coffee table, eating macaroni and cheese out of the pot, and is he wearing white socks with dress shoes? Your marriage may have some challenges, but there's an evening coming to your area that will encourage and remind you why it's all worth it. The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon. The Ultimate Date Night is 90 minutes of music, comedy, and fun for couples that'll have you and your spouse rolling with laughter and reconnecting on an intimate level. Marriage can be tough, but that doesn't mean it can't be fun. The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, coming your way soon. Oh, and make sure he doesn't wear those white socks. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, an ultimate evening of marriage edutainment. Coming February 9th to Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $42 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Keyword date night at wordfm.com. Let's face it, marriage is less like science and more like an art. And how many of us really enjoyed art class? Maybe that's why it's so challenging. February 16th and 17th, Holiday Park Bible Church presents The Art of Marriage. A production of Family Life, this two-day video event will inspire you and your spouse to communicate, collaborate, and create a marriage that's a work of art. Perfect for seasoned couples or those just starting out. To register for The Art of Marriage, visit Holiday Park Bible Church at hpbchurch.com. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? My neighbor. Mr. Rogers passed along friendship, hoping we would too. Friendship. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Cloudy early tonight with a bit of light snow or some flurries, and there can even be a little freezing drizzle mixed in that can create some icy spots. Lingering clouds later tonight, low 20. Clouds will give way to some sunshine tomorrow, 33 degrees. Clear tomorrow night, low 26. Mostly sunny and milder for Friday with a high of 48 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Happy Peanut Butter Day. Thanks so much. Are you celebrating? Uh, you know what? <laughs> I realized I had a problem the other day. I, uh, I put a coat on that I had not had on for, I don't know, a month or so. Okay. I reached into the pocket. You know what I did? I pulled out a peanut butter cup. And that's, it was, be- that's better than getting a $20 bill. And it was it was still in the wrapper. And I wore that squishy? coat. No, it was fine. Okay. And I wore the coat the entirety of the day, and I never once went and ate that thing. So it's still back on the coat rack now. Are you sad? Peanut, but no, not at all. But i just thinking, National Peanut Butter Day, I'm walking around with peanut butter in my coat. And you don't really care. No, I care. Oh, but but you didn't. You don't care enough that you ate it. I just wasn't hungry. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's all. Do you love peanut butter? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it. Do you love a peanut butter and jelly yes. sandwich? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, favorite jelly? Uh, see, it's it's sold at Shop and Save. It's a local brand. Uh-huh. It's like it's one. It's on like one of those side racks that's like locally made, locally grown. 
But you don't know the name of it? I don't know the name of it, it's just but I there. buy it all the time. Okay. And my favorite flavor is strawberry really? rhubarb. Strawberry rhubarb, really? It is. Is it jam or jelly? Be- it's a jam. Uh-huh. It's great. What's I a- feel badly that I don't know the name of yeah, it because I love this so much I would like to tell people about it. It's a jam, jelly, or preserve. Three different things, right? I would go preserve if I could. I would go jam second and jelly's way at the bottom. Jelly, yeah. Because that's kind of gross No, it's me. not. That. It's okay. I think it is. Like a great jelly's fine. You know, my favorite is red raspberry, which is like, to me, whenever I eat that, I feel like I'm like living Tony, like I'm living like a fine. Is that, is that right? Like I'm a rich man. This is the way you're supposed to live? That's how, you know, like a nice bread with a peanut butter that's good. Okay, but here's the thing. Well, it's not National Jam Day, Jam Day, so we need to talk about what kind of peanut butter you're using. Oh, um, you mean the specific brand? Yes. Like, do you always buy the same brand? Are you loyal? Are you snobby about your particular choice peanut butter? Well, here's the deal. Uh, if I was doing all the shopping all the time, I'd have room to be snobby. Oh, but you're not. No, my wife's going out and she's shopping and she's buying like, you know. What's she buying? Ed's Discount Peanut Butter and oh. Muffler Emporium, okay. something like that. So I'm just going to eat it. Mm-hmm. That's why I put the nice jelly on. Right. Uh, but I like it chunky. Oh, you like it chunky? I do. Like oh, okay. I always go smooth. In there. I always like go smooth. smooth. No, I feel good about what smooth. What are you doing, Mike? Chunky Peter, Peter, Peter Pan Peanut Butter. That's, that's hard <laughs> to say. That. You want to try it again? Chunky Hold on, let's try this again. Let's back up. Mike, how about you, buddy? Hold on. I got (laughs) it. Like a speech impediment. Wait a second. Chunky peanut. I can't do it. Forget it. You're fired. (laughs) Chunky peanut butter, Peter Pan. Peanut butter. That's pathetic. I'm sorry that I went to you to even talk. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, do you like Skippy, Peter Peter Pan, or Jif? No. I, don't uh, think just, I think you should just skip the peas today for whatever I'm sno- reason. Okay? Now, I'm, I asked you the question, <laughs> but I got to be honest. I am snobby about my peanut butter. I would expect that from you. Okay? Listen to how he said that. Well, you question. get to be a it's little a, snooty. It's supposed to be National Compliment Day. Oh, he's sorry. calling me snooty. That's okay. I'll take it. But you're snooty in a nice way. I am snooty. I am snooty. This is why. Tell me. Smucker's All Natural Peanut Butter is the greatest tasting peanut butter you will ever find. Smucker's all natural. Is that with the oil on top and then you yep, stir it? You have that to sounds it. pretty good. I would do that. Because here's the thing. The only ingredients, peanuts and salt. Mm. So no added oil, no added sugar. Yeah. It is so... Like you know I what care. it tastes like? It tastes peanutty. Mm. If you like... So my daughter is really into Jif. And I buy it for her. Well, choosy mothers because, choose Jif. Okay. Cause, I mean, I love her and I want her to be happy. But she's making a wrong choice. Yeah. If she would just... Do the taste test like I've done. Just if you tr- if you taste you know a a Jif or a Skippy or whatever, and then next to it Peter you Pan taste <laughs> or Mike's Peter Pan peanut butter. Next to the Smucker's All Natural, yeah, the Smucker's All Natural has this like depth of flavor. It's 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 more really? it's more peanutty. It's more so like we're at a wine tasting. I'm now. telling you, there's like, there's a more well rounded nutishness, mm, a body to it. There is. I'm mm. telling you, and you, you won't go back. Okay, you All won't right. go back. Peanut butter, um, yeah. Okay, national what National Peanut Butter Day? No. National Peanut Butter Day. Is it really? Yeah, which is why I re- very much appreciate, John, you putting um, peanut M&Ms out on my little tray here. What's shocking to me is I brought those in yesterday. You ate a few yesterday, and then there's still some more here today. And I'm still eating them. Which, well, like, yesterday I came I mean, in, someone could have sprayed them with poison, and I'm just sitting here eating them. Because that happens a lot at Word FM. There's a person walking around and sprays our food with poison. What are you kidding me? I said I, I said. Mean, all of a sudden, it's like a conspiracy theory. Seriously. It's like, I you know, like a it. Stephen King novel. Uh, at a Christian radio station. <laughs> 
the poison was laid thick on the peanut M&Ms. That's not what I said. I didn't say it happened. I said, good thing it didn't happen because I'm sitting here eating them. Between you and poison and Mike with his peas, we're in trouble here. (laughs) Take a break here. Come back in a few minutes. Sir Roger Olson will join us. I'm going to ask him about his peanut butter. His peanut butter preference? Yeah, and I might give him a compliment. Almond butter's better. Almond butter. It's kind of like sacrilegious. Coconut oil, almond butter. Everyone's so precious. Just give me some raw sugar. 101.5 WORD. With James McDonald and Walk in the Word. Is it time to make a change in your life? Some sin or temptation that you just can't shake no matter how hard you try? Well, it's time to quit fighting. Only God can truly change a life. This week on Walk in the Word, James McDonald helps us say, Lord, change me. If it's transformation you're looking for, listen Monday through Friday to hear Walk in the Word with James McDonald. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. on 101.5 WORD. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Christian Faith Publishing helps thousands of authors just like you publish their books with a company dedicated to strong Christian values. To help you get started, we want to send you our free author submission kit. Christian Faith Publishing reviews every book submitted to us. And if your book is approved, we'll edit, design, copyright, protect, print, and distribute. Distribute your book online and in bookstores everywhere. Imagine seeing your book in specialty Christian bookstores, Amazon, iTunes, Barnes and Noble, and many others. It could happen, and it all starts with one call to Christian Faith Publishing at 800-566-1012 for your free author submission kit. If you have a novel, children's book, poetry, biography, or any inspirational work you've written, we can help you get it published today. Shouldn't you work with a publisher who shares your Christian values of integrity and honesty? You can get your book published. So call for your free author submission kit right now. Call 800-566-1012. That's 800-566-1012. 800-566-1012. This is Robin Trzynski of the Original Mattress Factory. Interested in that half-off mattress sale? Don't be. Most retailers are just promoting half-off a completely made-up price loaded with huge markups. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have never had a sale. Our hand-built quality and value are there every day. And our prices don't change. So take your time and purchase only when you're ready. Don't buy into the half-off sale hype. It simply isn't real. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Are you a member of the Word FM fan club? If not, what are you waiting for? Members of the Word FM fan club get early bird information on local concerts and events, as well as exclusive discounts, free perks, and big giveaways for fan club members. Sign up now. It's free at wordfm.com. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers, Mount Nebo Road. Celebrating life's closest relationships. The Word FM fan club at wordfm.com. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. 
Hey, let me break in and say uh, thanks to Mary. Uh, the jam I was trying to think of is Bellevue. Is that local? Yes. Is it made in Bellevue? No, because it's not spelled the same way. Oh, I think okay. it's B-E-L-L-V-I-E-W. Okay, thanks, Mary. Anyway, if you have a shop and save close to you, go get that. Try mm-hmm. the strawberry rhubarb, and you're going to be like over the okay. moon about it. They're going to put like a little label, as heard on John and Kathy. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I like strawberry rhubarb that much. I'd be willing to okay. do it. Bellevue people, you can contact. It's me. kind of weird though. We're talking about jam and jelly on National Peanut Butter Day. Well, we're just we're 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 talking about accoutrement. Accoutrement. Roger Olson is with us. Roger's a, a fairly regular guest on our show. Always has a very interesting viewpoint. Uh, Roger, welcome back, sir. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. I'm glad to be on your show again. Thank you, Roger. Do you enjoy peanut butter? Uh, yes. With jam or jelly on it, blueberry especially. Oh, blueberry. blueberry. Now, we haven't had anybody tell us about blueberry. It's the best. Really? It's good for you. I never in my life have had blueberry jam, I don't think. <laughs> Why well, you right, laugh? You'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, we're going to have some. We're going to... We're going to call it like our Roger Olson snack. Yeah, that's that's all, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. Okay. So here, here's a weird thing. Whenever you go like to the airport, oftentimes, like, you know, you'll see massive groups of young students, college, high school, whatever, church groups, and they're all going far afield to the mission field, right? They're going to go to Haiti. They're going to go to Guatemala. They're going to go out there and save souls and do some good work in the name of Jesus. But Roger, you wrote a piece on your blog at Patheos that says America has become a mission field. Please tell. Yeah, so there are a couple of ways in which this is happening. First of all, many Christians are coming to America, of course, and I know this is controversial, but many Christians are immigrating to America uh, from other countries, um, from Asia, from Africa, from Latin America, and bringing their own distinctive, sometimes unique, but often distinctive brands of Christianity to America, and missionaries among them come to minister to them. Really? So in a city like Houston, Texas, not far from where I live and where I used to live for three years, there are, I'm told, uh, hundreds of thousands of immigrants who are Christians from other continents, and they have their own distinctive churches and and sort of denominations, or someone called them denomin networks. They don't necessarily have a headquarters, but missionaries come with them and minister first to them, but then often go out from among them to minister to us, who are not immigrants. Mm Mm-hmm. So and that's happening increasingly. Yeah. So is that happening because we are still known as a Christian nation, but when it comes right down to it, most Americans, you know, don't really know much about what Christianity is? Yes. Um, so, you know, over the years, 36 years, I've been teaching in Christian institutions, and um, I've often had students from Asia, Africa, and Latin America. And let me just focus especially on Asia and Africa. And, and when I can get them to be really open and honest, because they're so hesitant to say anything critical of us, of their host country, and of Christians here. But when I can get them to be very honest with me, they do say, well, look, from our perspective, the United States, maybe North America, the United States, and Canada, look secular, because they have a very spiritual worldview as as an essential part of their Christianity. And I'm talking about miracles and about spiritual beings, angels and demons and so forth, as real, something that many American Christians have sort of forgotten, even though it's in our Bible and in our tradition. It's not a part of our everyday livingness or thought world, and they see that and really notice it and are kind of shocked by it. Really? That's interesting. So so what is that like? You've been, have you been to services at churches like this, Roger? A few. Not very many, but a few, yes. 
And generally, does it follow along the same pattern as what we would recognize, or there are there stark and distinct differences? Yeah, I think one of the differences, um, and of course, the ones I've been to are more Americanized than others, I think. But from what I'm told by my immigrant students, uh, many of these churches are what we would consider charismatic or Pentecostal in flavor, not necessarily in terms of emphasizing speaking in tongues. That may not be central to it, but in terms of emotional display and manifestations of the Spirit and so forth. And joy and, and, and exuberance and enthusiasm is a big part of it, perhaps even dancing at times. So if we in America are viewed by those who are visiting our country as being not so spiritual, um, are we, I feel like we're missing something about our own belief structure. It's, it's kind of like, as you said, even though it's in our own Bible, it's kind of like we forgot about it. It's, it's like we have, I don't know if it's in, in our pursuit of to be, you know, unbelievably scientific in our perspective that we just kind of have tossed out things that don't follow a prescribed, you know, system. So sociologists of religion are telling us uh, that the common religion of America, and of course this comes in all kinds of degrees, is moralistic, therapeutic deism. Deism, And that means the moralistic part is there are rules of right and wrong, and God will get you if you do more wrong than right. And the therapeutic is, but religion exists primarily to make you feel good. And the deism is, but God is not directly involved in your everyday life. Hmm. And that combination is just poisonous to New Testament Christianity. It's a different religion. Now, I'm not saying that Christians aren't Christians. I'm not saying American Christians aren't Christians. I'm saying that our Christianity has become so infected by Enlightenment secular thinking and, and ways of living that we're not even aware of it. It's like fish aren't aware that they're in water. We're not aware until these missionaries come and and tell us, or we go to them and see it. But I think it's almost better that they come to us and and be among us, because we go on these mission trips, which some critics call, you know, spiritual tourism. Yes. And, uh, you know, often don't really integrate into the the Christianity of their culture, but sort of think we're bringing ours to them like it's superior. And I'm not sure they really are authentically themselves when, when we go to them. Yes. as much as when they come to us. Now, Roger, like you, I have visited churches that you know are not mainstream, that are sort of you know immigrant-based churches. And, and the first time I went, the, the service started you know like at eleven o'clock or something like that. And so I, I arrived, you know, dutifully, you know, ten to eleven or something like that. There was nobody there. Mm-hmm. So then the service, you know, uh, maybe eleven fifteen, eleven twenty, you know, the, the somebody started to show up, and then there was some singing that got underway, and then you know more people showed up, and really it took about an hour and ten minutes, maybe like you know after twelve or so, until boom, somebody hit a switch and we were off and running. Yep. And then once that happened, holy smokes! I mean, it put you know a, a traditional American service, I think, to shame in some way. When you talk yeah. about that, you know that belief of you know angels and demons and miracles it was as like there was a blowtorch in that place i mean the place was just on fire so uh, i appreciate and understand what you're talking about that you know our perspective of like you know where you know these uh, evangelical protestant evangelicals here in the united states of america we've got the corner on the right and only spirituality and everybody else is kind of behind the eight ball our way is the best way but clearly uh, at least from my experience that is not the case 
Yeah, let me give you an anecdote if we have time. Sure, yeah. So when I teach on Catholic theology, I often invite a Catholic priest, hopefully one that's very knowledgeable about Catholic theology, into my class so that, you know, the students can hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, because I'm not Catholic at all. I'm very, uh, very Baptist, actually. And um, so we had this Catholic priest come in. He was the, the one from our campus, the Catholic Center, which is off campus. And uh, he was from Nigeria. And he did not want to talk about Catholic theology. <laughs> he talked about miracles the whole hour. He talked about how in Nigeria, Catholics experience miracles. And he even claimed to have witnessed someone raised from the dead. Really? And that's mostly what he wanted to talk about. And when students tried to ask him about purgatory and doctrines about Mary, he would say, oh, yeah, 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 we have that. Now let me tell you about a miracle in Nigeria that we have. You know, <laughs> he's a Catholic, and it just blew my students away. Oh, that's just really interesting. So, so that blew your students away because our understanding of American Roman Catholics is smells and is, bells. is right, but yeah. it's but it's not that, and so that yeah. was that was so anachronistic to them. Yes, yeah, it it, it just uh, didn't fit their stereotypes yeah. at all, and um, yet I've learned that that's typical in Africa. All denominations in Africa, all Christian denominations, are much more charismatic style mm-hmm. flavor than, than we think they are here and mm-hmm. that they usually are here. I agree. Roger Olson is with us. Roger is the uh, professor of Christian theology and ethics at the George W. Truett Theological Seminary in Waco, Texas. Hey, Roger, uh, our five o'clock hour all this week, we're doing something called a, a conversion series. Essentially, what we've done is uh, we've invited people to tell their story. Uh, we've got about 20, 24 stories that have been pre-recorded, and we're letting people tell their story about how how they came to Christ. Uh, can you talk about that? You know, you, there you are at a seminary, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of different stories about how your students or your faculty, does that come up about people coming to Christ, those stories? Oh, all the time. Yeah, I encourage our students to do that. In fact, just yesterday, or maybe it was this morning, I emailed um, our chapel committee and suggested that we set aside a five to ten minute uh, period in chapel for these stories. Uh, we share them more in what we call covenant groups, and we are all in our seminary required to participate in a weekly covenant group, and so that's where this typically happens. And um, you know, I've, I've even suggested that we have altar calls, because why should we assume that just because someone's at seminary, they're already born again? Uh, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's making a huge assumption. Uh, but yes, telling our stories and learning the stories, the conversion stories of people like Augustine, and Luther had a born-again experience in his tower experience, uh, you know, after his call. And so I, those things we teach very much in our curriculum. I think they're a big part of it. Uh, okay, last question for you, Roger. What can a story do for us that a textbook can't or a lesson or a sermon can't? Yeah, just like Jesus' parables. I tell my students that uh, Jesus shows us that a story can be transformative in a way that a set of propositions can't be. Hmm. And of course, that's called narrative theology. But of course, we need propositions, statements of fact. We need systematic theology, too, but it it never can replace the story. I tell my students, the Bible is not a not-yet-systematized systematic theology, as a lot of, I'm afraid, conservative evangelical theologians treat it. It's a story. It's a Mm mega-story, a drama, a theodrama of God with us. And uh, it, it can't be replaced by a book of theology. Very nice. Roger, we always appreciate your time with us. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Try uh, that uh, blueberry on peanut butter. I will, yeah. and we'll think of you. 
Very okay. nice. Roger Olson, he joins us uh, from the um, George W. Truett Theological Seminary, Waco, Texas. I'm going to call it the Roger Olson snack. The blueberry. I've never. I can't. I've, I don't think I've ever had blueberry preserves, jelly. None of that. Maybe that's a Texas thing. I think it's regional. It might be. Maybe he's just smarter than us. Or he just has better taste. Probably both are true. <laughs> it's true. We'll take a break. Come back. Stick around. If you're a mom or dad of a child who struggles, you've searched high and low trying everything you can. From tutors to counselors, specialists to pills, you've tried them all with little success. You need to know there is a program that has helped tens of thousands of kids just like yours. Brain Balance Achievement Centers can make a real difference for your child. Brain Balance is a drug-free solution that deals with the root cause of issues like ADHD, dyslexia, audio processing, and behavioral challenges. Our combination of sensory motor exercises, academic skill building, and a clean eating plan doesn't just mask the issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child has trouble making friends, is disruptive in school, or is frustrated to the point of tantrums, now is the time to call Brain Balance Achievement Centers. Learn more at brainbalance.com or call 724-390-9012 today. Interested in trading as a way to generate extra monthly income? Listen up. Before you sign up for some garbage program or awkward in-person seminar, you really need to hear about the online trader program that everyone's talking about. This is the program that allows you to get your account funded with someone else's money. That's right. Apiary Fund will gladly put up to $100,000 of their money into your trading account. And the best part? You get to keep 85% of the profits without putting in a dime of your own money. Apiary Fund and this program are growing like crazy. As a special offer, Apiary Fund is allowing our listeners to get started for free. Just call 800-959-4526 and leave us your email address. And we will send you all the exciting details of how to trade Apiary Fund's money and not your own. Call 800 959 4526 and leave your email address on the voicemail. Your free report will be sent right away. 800-959-4526. That's 800-959-4526. Everyone is talking about healthcare these days. America spends twice that of other developed countries on our healthcare system, yet our health ranks near the bottom. How can we stop spending so much and getting so little? By shifting to a system that gives more patients access to strong primary care. Primary care can help make America healthy again. To learn more about the benefits of primary care, visit www.healthisprimary.org. This message is brought to you by America's Family Physicians. If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, get twice the ice for half the price. Prince Skate Arena at South Point is offering half off public skate punch cards, 10 sessions, just $45. Or half off stick and puck punch cards, 10 sessions, just $50. Prince Skate Arena, family entertainment on ice. Log on now to wordfm.com and look for the discount. Discount Shopping Club link. You know, there was a time in America where there were toy departments in all the major department stores. And I remember, you know, going downtown to Kaufman's or Gimbel's and Horn's and going to the toy department. Mm -hmm. 
Now, that faded away, and then there became these... I mean, there wouldn't be Elf if there wasn't a toy department. Exactly, right. So that, but that faded away, and then there became the sort of mega toy store, like Children's Palace. Remember right. Children's Palace? I loved Children's Palace. Me too. That was a good store. Yeah. Which one did you go to? Uh, Monroeville. Okay. There was one on McKnight Road. Yeah. Because it was like a castle. Remember? Yes, I loved that castle yeah. thing. Are you kidding me? And then Children's Palace faded away, right. and we got stuck with Toys R Us. Right. Which I, so I had not been into a toy store for a long, long time. And then my kids were sort of, you know, toddler age, and I was like, you guys, we are going to the toy store. And we went to Toys R Us. It was such a disappointment. Yeah. And I hate to throw fuel on the fire. But Since the, Toys R Us is closing two more stores here in the Pittsburgh area. Apparently, they're closing a Many fifth more, of their stores two, nationwide. Many more, but two in particular here. So the Ross Park Mall right. uh, store, the yes. Night Road store is closing, and the Monroeville store is closing. Right. But to be honest, I kind of go meh. Yeah, I agree. How can you mess up a toy store? There was nothing that was engaging or fun about it and have we done that to stores in general have we i don't know is is, have we shopped so much online that we are telling retailers that we don't care about environment or we don't care about it about atmosphere in a store i mean there is zero atmosphere in that store there is but this was before online when my kids were no that's true this really was this is like you know Late 90s, early 2000s, before the rise of e-commerce. I mean, if you're talking about it, what's the toy store that's right on Forbes Avenue and Squirrel Hill? S.W. Randall. There you go. That's a toy store. That's a toy store. How about my favorite toy store in the city? Um, Shadyside Variety. Oh, and that has been there for how long? These guys have made a handsome living selling yep. whistles and We're, rubber balls. Exactly. And We're, Chinese torture yes. things, which is what a toy store should be. <laughs> You know those little finger things you stick your fingers They're in? They're called on. finger traps, John. Yeah, what? I wouldn't yeah. call Chinese them Chinese torture, torture things. things for kids. <laughs> you know, funny, when they called them that, they didn't sell as well. Uh, we're going out of business. We've sold too many of those Chinese torture things. You know what I meant. You knew exactly what I meant. Yeah, I didn't know. Okay, so there. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? The toy store, like that shady side variety. The variety is weird. It's mm-hmm. unusual. It's unexpected. It's delightful, and it's just a lot of fun. Right, and I know. it's fairly inexpensive. And but th- but see, there's also atmosphere in there. Yeah. I'm saying that's what was always vacant from a Toys R Us. Ugh. It was like you were shopping in a warehouse. Yeah. There was nothing fun. There was nothing engaging. No. There was nothing imaginative. But you walk into SW Randall, and you're <laughs> wow. That's cool. You know, there are things up high that you're looking at and there are things down low that you're looking at and it's kind of noisy and things yep. are clanking and beeping. And I, I, I agree with you. I really love an old fashioned toy store. Yes. What's the, what, remember the toy store in Big? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, th- and that went out of business. Did that it? was in Manhattan. Uh, that was right at my subway stop from Queens, uh, 59th and 5th. What was that toy store called? I, I mean, it was so time. famous after the movie came out. It had yeah, That yeah. movie had to have given it at least another 10 years they of life. F.A.O. Schwartz. F.A.O. Schwartz. Right. Very Thank good, you, Mike. Mike. Thank you. You're quick on the Google. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. I don't so, have a Chinese but, finger trap to <laughs> Be careful. Okay. Yeah. Um, when's the last time you saw Big? I think probably the first time I saw it. Me I don't too. think I ever me, saw it again. Me too. My wife brought that up the other day. She's like, oh, big. The only thing I remember about that movie is how beautiful the neighborhood looked. There's a wonderful, like, sh- like Americana shot mm-hmm. of like 
a neighborhood, like a northeast neighborhood in the fall. Yeah. And it just looks like a Norman Rockwell-ish type of thing. That's really the only thing I remember. Of the really? Film. And, and of course, the F.A.A. Schwartz No, part. I remember, you know, Tom Hanks jumping on the piano keys. Right. That's right? A, that yeah, was it. The F.A.A. Yeah. Schwartz part. Yeah. But hey, look, look at Tom Hanks. Now he's in The Post with Meryl Streep. I think Tom what Hanks career. is 60. Uh, I bet he is. Somewhere in that ballpark. Probably. Right? That's he and his wife both oh have had great careers. Yeah, I mean, ageless. hers is no, not as varied, but she's been consistent all those years, too. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, 61. He's 61. Thank okay. you, new Mike. Yeah. yeah. That Chinese torture thing is working well for you. Yeah. Keep it up, guys. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. A judge has sentenced the former Olympic team doctor whom a Michigan prosecutor described as possibly the most prolific serial child abuser in history. Larry Nasser, the former Michigan sports doctor who admitted molesting some of the nation's top gymnasts for years under the guise of medical treatments, has been sentenced to 40 to 175 years in prison. Judge Rosemary Aquilina. You do not deserve to walk outside of a prison ever again. The sentence came after seven days of victim statements. Scores of Larry Nasser's victims confronted him face-to-face in a Michigan courtroom. Facing you made me sick to my stomach, and you sat there with absolutely no remorse. That's gymnast Kaylee Lorenz. This is the second long-term prison sentence for Nasser, who was sentenced to 60 years in federal prison for child pornography crimes. I'm Jennifer King. On Wall Street, the up by 41 points. The Nasdaq dropped 45. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Driven by Calusi Chevrolet, the nation's oldest Chevrolet dealership. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know the credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-694-7394. 800-694-7394. That's 800-694-7394. Proverbs 17.22 tells us that laughter doeth like good medicine. It's true. Science has discovered that when a person laughs, their body actually releases endorphins into the blood. These tiny hormones actually increase the body's ability to heal. So here's a question. When was the last time you had a good laugh with your spouse? I mean a really good belly laugh. Hi, we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we'd like to invite you to our ultimate date night, where you'll spend 90 minutes with your spouse laughing like you haven't laughed in years. Since 1996, we've been traveling the country using our unique style of marriage edutainment to seamlessly combine humor and biblical truth. So join us and have a great laugh with your spouse. Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon. Coming February 9th to Christ Church at Crow Farm. Tickets just $42 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Keyword date night at wordfm.com. It's that time of the year at the Springhouse in 84. It's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right. 
we actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228-3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse in 84. Cloudy early tonight with a bit of light snow or some flurries, and there can even be a little freezing drizzle mixed in that can create some icy spots. Lingering clouds later tonight, low 20. Clouds will give way to some sunshine tomorrow, 33 degrees. Clear tomorrow night, low 26. Mostly sunny and milder for Friday with a high of 48 degrees. I'm Mackie Weather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, greetings. Good afternoon to you. We're having a special sale on berets today. For all those hipsters out there, get your beret on, keep it on the side slant and look super hip with our jazz intake. Do you like that? A beret? Yeah. I would never. Would you, you? I can't even get you to wear a pirate shirt other than the one Dennis gave you. Would you wear a beret? Would you wear a beret? Because that's like... Would you wear a beret, Mike? Definitely. You. you would wear if a beret. Mike wore a beret, I would pay him cash money. Cash a beret. money. I wore a beret out in public a couple times. Yeah, I, you know. On purpose? No, because I want to. For Halloween? No. What? It's my grandpap's beret. Oh, your grandpap's. Right. Yeah. One time I wore to a honor beret. Pap. Yeah, to honor Pap. Well, that's okay. good. You got to do That's it. good. I love to honor Pap. One time when I was living in New York City, I bought a beret. Like from a street vendor, a raspberry beret, no, the just, kind was, you buy at a secondhand store. No, no, I'm not doing any prints. But I just I had a black beret, and the person I was with said that looks ridiculous. Took it off my head, threw it like a frisbee into the street, and a taxi ran over it. That's terrible. And that was it. Berets are great. That's the only time I, I would never wear a beret now. It's a little. Let's know. get him one. Oh, his birthday's <laughs> yeah. in May. No, new Mike and I are chipping. I'm in. just saying, you know, kind of like the jazz music makes you sort of feel like. You know, 1950s hipster. It makes you, make, you, make you feel that way. Didn't make Mike and I feel that way. Okay, all right. Anyway, coming up next, our conversion series. This is day three. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have four stories that we have uh, prepared for you. And we're, we're so happy. We hope you join us. We hope that, you, um, that you're able to sit back and you're able to take in these stories in a way that's different and unique and special for you. So stay tuned. It's the Wednesday edition of Conversion on the Ride Home. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. God is only distant to those who distance themselves from Him. God is a loving, warm, intimate Father who desires the best for His children who desires relationship with us, who desires to communicate with us. Hear the series on First and Second Samuel this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. 
You may have heard that the Obamacare individual mandate is dead, but not until 2019. But there's good news. You can start your own Obamacare repeal and replace plan today with Todd Marley and the team at Marley Financial. You don't have to wait another year or another day because you can call Marley now and ask about their non-Obamacare pro-life health plan where it's always open enrollment time. The pro-life health plan can save you as much as 30 to 60 percent over what you pay now, especially if you're age over 50 especially if you're age 50 or over because you pay only for the comprehensive coverage you actually need. You'll avoid the Obamacare penalty that's still in effect for this year, and it's called the pro-life plan for a reason. It doesn't fund abortion. So why wait? Say goodbye to the open enrollment period for good and repeal Obamacare for yourself today. Call Marley Financial, 724-884-1496, or look for them online at marleyfg.com. I'm Robin Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Every mattress has two sides, so why only use one? If you're considering a no-flip mattress, this is your wake-up call. Two-sided mattresses last much longer, so why is it hard to find a mattress that flips? At Original Mattress, every orthopedic mattress flips. Why? Let's just say selling a premium two-sided product that only lets you use one side doesn't fit our values. Don't let them sell you half the mattress at twice the price. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com. Selling mattresses the traditional way isn't the best way. Most are made in a large factory and shipped hundreds of miles to a retailer's warehouse, where the retailer then marks them up and up before finally selling and delivering them. At the Original Mattress Factory, we take a straightforward approach. We have eliminated the extra steps and created a direct line from our factory to you, saving you hundreds of dollars. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. This is Jay Hagerman of Hagerman Law. You had your will done years ago, but a lot's changed since then. At Hagerman Law, we believe it's always good to have a second set of eyes on the big decisions in life that deal with your assets and the people most important to you. We understand the nuances of elder law, issues like Medicaid, federal aid and attendance for veterans, and how they affect your estate and the ones that you love. So let's talk. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit HagermanLaw.com. Told you my story, you would hear hope, they wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor is professor in the English department at Liberty University and senior fellow at Liberty University's Center for Apologetics and Cultural Engagement. She is the author of Booked, Literature in the Soul of Me, and Fierce Convictions, The Extraordinary Life of Hannah Moore. And here is Karen's story. This is Karen Swallow Pryor. I've shared my conversion and Christian growth story in my first book, 
booked literature in the soul of me. I'm going to share a little bit of that because that really is my story. Um, I grew up in a, in a Christian home where going to church and Sunday school was as much a part of what it meant to be part of my family as being read to every night by my mother. My mom read to me and my two older brothers every night before bed. I think even um, long past the age when many children are read to, uh, we also were made to go to church and to Sunday school uh, well into our older years beyond when we really wanted to do that. Um, and so my mother developed in me a, a love for reading. Um, growing up in the church, I can't say that my love for the church was as strong. Um, in fact, I think that if you, if you want to know something about the depravity of the human heart and the hardness of the human heart, then you just simply have to look at a, a resentful child sitting in the church pew on Sunday morning because that was me. Uh, but even so, by the time I was five years old, I had asked Jesus into my heart. Um, it was before I was old enough really to even remember that moment, so I don't remember that moment, which for some is is scandalous, um, but I know uh, from my relationship with Jesus from that time on that he was my Savior. Um, but it was a long time uh, after that I asked him into my heart that I asked him into my mind. Um, in fairness to myself, it was a long time before I realized that my mind, not just my heart, was actually a place that Jesus needed to be and wanted to be. Um, and I discovered that not so much in church and Sunday school, but in reading books, many, many books. Um, and most of those books were not even about God, but they still made it clear to me that God was someone I needed to love, not just with my heart but in my mind, just as Jesus says in the book of Matthew, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Um, but I don't think I accomplished all those loves at once. I actually seem to follow the order of that verse. First, I loved Jesus with my little child's heart, and then I loved him eventually with my soul. But it wasn't until I was really an adult and even out of college and began studying books more uh, academically and seriously that I learned how to love Jesus with my mind. And, you know, I've never really struggled with doubt about God's existence or the truth of the Bible or the witness and teachings of the historic church. But because of books and reading so many books, I have faced doubt I've faced doubt through the disbelief of others, through questions and searching of minds far greater than my own mind across the ages, on the pages, and in the works of the writers that I've read. Um, and of course, in reading these, I've had my own questions, and I've grappled with some questions alongside the questions asked by others. Uh, I've watched people who journey from faith to doubt. Um, I've watched people who have come back to faith, and I've watched people who have not come back. And I've watched those who begin in doubt come to faith. And much of that has been through reading in the pages of great books. So in reading the doubts and the faith of others and the questions, um, I witnessed their doubts. And I kind of struggled against God myself, um, not like many do, but still in my own way. I didn't doubt his existence, but I doubted his ways. Um, I doubted that his ways were better than my ways. I doubted the ways of his people in the church. 
Um, but even so, um, I think I doubt more or I wonder more that an airplane can fly than simply that the God of the universe exists. Um, being raised by God-loving parents is certainly not a guarantee that someone will come to love God personally, but it does help. And as I grew up in this Christian home and um, learned to love God more through reading books, um, even if it didn't show, I was always on that journey. For much of my life, I felt like I loved books more than God because I couldn't reconcile my love for these great ideas and these great thinkers who were not necessarily Christians. I couldn't reconcile that love with my love for God. And it took me a long time to discover that the same God who spoke the world into existence with words is, in fact, the source of meaning of all words. And my journey toward that discovery took place mainly in the pages of these many, many books. Um, reading widely has humbled me in showing me that there is nothing new under the sun, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says. And as real and as important as any questions I might have are, I've seen that they're not unique to me, and I take comfort in that. Somewhere between universal truth and utter know-nothing-ism, um, we all have a unique self, a unique way of knowing, um, but all of us are made in the image of God, and we share that in common. Through reading these great books, I learned that there's more of him in us and in me than anything else. For a long time, I thought my love of books was taking me away from God, but it turned out that books were the backwards path back to him. Bramble-filled and broken, yes, but full of wonder and truth. And I love God with all my heart, all my mind, and all my soul today. That was Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor, professor in the English Department of Liberty University and senior fellow at Liberty University Center for Apologetics and Cultural Engagement. She's the author of Booked, Literature in the Soul of Me, and also Fierce Convictions, The Extraordinary Life of Hannah Moore. And up next, we want to introduce you to R. York Moore. York is a modern-day abolitionist and national evangelist for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. He's the author of the book called Growing Your Family and Growing Your Faith by Giving It Away and Making All Things New, God's Dream for Global Justice. And here is York's story. I'm York Moore, and I did not have what you would consider to be a typical upbringing when it comes to following Jesus. In fact, when I grew up, the home that we lived in at the time had a sign that my parents had crafted and put on the front of the home that said, the Moors, the atheists. And we had a barrel on the side of our house for burning Bibles and what my parents referred to as religious propaganda. My parents were followers of a pretty anti-God philosopher named Ayn Rand. My first name is Rand. I'm named after this philosopher. And as followers of her, they were very... Um, clear about the fact that they, there was no God, and that people who believed in God were weak intellectually, that they manufactured this idea of God to make their lives easier or to make sense out of suffering. 
But I'll never forget the first time I actually had an encounter with God myself. I was six years old, living in that house with that sign in the front, and I actually heard the voice of God. I was sitting in the bathtub, playing with my rubber ducky and my battleship, and I clearly heard God speaking to me. And so I began to just engage, not knowing the right words, uh, not knowing how I should act before God, but just kind of having a normal conversation like you'd have with a regular person. And my parents walked in and said, well, who are you speaking to, Rand York? And I said, well, I'm speaking to God. And the look of disappointment and fear and disdain in their eyes I can remember to this day. And they reminded me. They said, well, we thought we told you that God doesn't exist and that people who believe in God, they're weak and they make this stuff up. And so there's no really, really real, real reason to to believe in God. And so being the naive six-year-old that I was, I let them leave the bathroom and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, well, God, uh, my parents say you have to, uh, that you don't exist. And so I'm going to have to stop speaking to you. And that began the first day of the next several years, 14 years, as a matter of fact, of living life as if there was no God. And quickly after that, my family fell apart. We became homeless. My dad started selling and using cocaine. We were homeless for some time on and off the streets, living in abandoned buildings and cars. And uh, we finally wound up in one of the suburbs of, of Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, where I fell into early promiscuity, early drinking, and lived that way for a number of years. Uh, managed a straight B average in high school. And I remember waking up one day, though, realizing that I was on the wrong path. It had nothing to do with God. But I knew that if I kept living my life this way, that something bad was going to happen. I was going to wind up in prison or on the streets again or like my dad on drugs. And none of those options really seemed to be, uh, you know, valuable or interesting. So I thought, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change in my flesh. And so I cut my hair and I changed my clothes and I asserted myself in school and I managed to get a straight A average the last two years of high school. And, um, you know, when I graduated, I graduated with a, a C average from a very poor community, very little um, chance of getting into the university of my choosing, but I still applied. And I remember the rejection letter like it was yesterday, saying that they were sorry, there was no place for me. My mom, however, being an educator, she went right up to the university and she made the case that I had changed my life, that I had turned myself around. And so I was admitted uh, under a probationary status and when I went to the University of Michigan, I fell in love with learning. I fell in love with the university world, with argumentation and books, and it was almost as if my entire life was validated as a college student. And while I was at the university, I acquired a nickname in my fraternity. My nickname was Satan because I persecuted Christians and wrote papers against Christians. In fact, I remember one class vividly where there were two or three Christians in the class that were arguing for very strange ideas, like uh, the right to life and uh, of the unborn having souls and these kinds of things. They were just very strange ideas to me as an atheist. And I thought to myself, here are these weak-minded Christians that my parents warned me about. What are they doing in my class? And uh, as a student, I, I took it upon myself to persecute them, write papers against them, lecture and debate against them. And I'd love to say that because of their faith and their love for me, they won me to Jesus. It was just the opposite. One of the girls in the class actually left the faith as a result of uh, that class. And I'll never forget, at the end of that semester, I turned in my honors thesis to my professor. It was basically my articulation of the fact that there was no God, that life had no meaning, that the best we could ever hope for is the moment of pleasure that we have right now. And I turned that paper in, and I went, walked to my car, and for a second time in my life, 
I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. I heard God speak to me in the same way that he spoke to me in the bathtub. And he asked me a question. He said, if you really believe everything that you've just written in that paper, then why are you doing anything at all? And at that point, I was a striver. I was getting, oh, I was an honor student in two departments. I was getting all A's. I was a hard worker at the library. I had multiple female interests. And, and so I was just a, a driven, uh, seeking kind of guy, seeking the world's success. And I didn't have an answer for that. But I thought, I better, I better have an answer for this. And so I decided that I would explore religions. And I've read the Bhagavad Gita, and I read the Upanishads, and I read the Quran, and I read the Bible, and I started going to church and asking Christians questions. And the further I dug into religion, particularly the Christian religion, the more I became persuaded that there was no God. So I decided perhaps God might speak for himself. So every day I would fold my arms and I would pray. But my prayer was kind of a Burger King, your way, right away kind of prayer. And I'd say, dear Allah, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, he, she, it, whoever you may be, show me the money, and show me your existence. And I was expecting for, you know, the angel Moroni to show up on my doorstep or skywriting or some kind of mathematical equation uh, to come to me in the mail that would prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that God exists. And after some weeks of praying and talking to people, I came to the conclusion that there was no God. And so I decided that I was going to kill myself. It was a, a calculated decision. It wasn't because I was emotionally despairing or depressed. It was because it doesn't matter if we live a day or a hundred million years. If we die and we cease to exist, what's the point of life? And so I thought I'd, I'd kill myself. My plan was to smash my car on the viaduct near our, our rundown inner city home in the Detroit area. And as I got that strange twisted sense of courage that it requires to take one's life, Fully intending to kill myself, aiming my car at that viaduct, in that moment of decision, the presence of Jesus filled my car. And I had a supernatural encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And I wouldn't have used those words at the time, but all I knew is that something had happened, and I should at least sleep on my decision. So I got home in a cold sweat. I woke up on Christmas morning. This all happened on Christmas Eve. I woke up on Christmas morning. My brother, who's not a follower of Jesus, was home from another campus, and he had brought a large picture frame of a poem, Footprints in the Sand. And I had read it before. It's just a simple story about how God is uh, working in our lives, even when we're unaware of his presence, and how God has our best interest uh, in mind, and how he cares for us in our time of need. And I had read all of it before, but this time, as I read these words, I heard the voice of God for a third time. Now, I had just gotten done praying for the first time in my life, God if that was you last night, I need to know right now because I'm still going to kill myself. I'm at the end of my rope. It was a prayer of desperation rather than a prayer of demand. And God's answer to me came in that simple poem, Footprints in the Sand. And in that poem, I heard God say three things to me that changed my forever. He said, number one, I do exist. Number two, I'm the reason why you exist. And number three, I'm the one who kept you from killing yourself last night, which meant that God knew who I was. It meant that God had a concern or a care for for me and my circumstances, that God was intimately involved in my life. And I just remember having this deep sense of conviction that I had wronged God, that I had wronged the world. I wouldn't have used the word sin at the time. I was still trying to pray without profanity at that time. And I remember running into the other room and saying these words to God. I said, God, if you can take my life and make anything out of it, I want to live for you from this day forward. Immediately, I had this sense of release, a sense of God's presence, a sense of God's love filling my heart. 
I ran into the other room and, and told my family what had happened. I called my fraternity brother. Said, you got to get the picture here. Here's Satan on Christmas morning. And on the other end of the phone, you say, hey, I'm living for God. I'm living for God. And they said one by one, hello, is this Satan? And so my, my journey to Jesus was very unorthodox. But at the end of the day, I came to believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that he died for me, that he rose again on the third day, and that by following him, I can have new life. That's R. York Moore, modern-day abolitionist and national evangelist for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA, author of Growing Your Faith by Giving It Away and Making All Things New, God's Dream for Global Justice. We're going to step away for a few minutes, but continue to be with us. We've got more conversion stories ahead. Yeah, traffic. It is what it is. Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners. And cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me. With a financial strategy from Kurt Knodek. Then I heard Kurt Knodek on the radio again. Retire sooner than they planned. Retire sooner. I called Kurt. We talked life, family, retirement. He had my numbers. Then Kurt pulls out this retirement plan, personalized for me. Look at that. Retirement wasn't that far off as I thought it was. Now the only thing I'm missing? The traffic. Do you need a financial strategy for retirement? Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group. 800-360-1645. That's 800-360-1645. Investment advisory services offered through Accurate Investment Solutions, Inc. Homeowners have the perception that they don't want to do windows and doors in the wintertime. Energy swings Donnie Dara. Actually, winter is a fantastic time to do windows and doors because the prices are lower, and we have what we call warm installations, meaning a lot of the work's done from inside your home. You don't have this big, open, gaping hole in your wall. You take the old window out, you put the new window in. The perimeter of the window on the inside and the outside is what takes time to finish and to shim it and square it and make sure it's plump. Our employee installers, they're covered by workers' compensation insurance, We want to be sure that they are not injured in any way, shape, or form. So the doors or windows, they're installed from inside the home, so that makes it a lot safer. So winter is an absolutely fantastic time, fabulous time to invest in windows and doors. And prices are lower at this time of year, too. Right now, get $200 off every window, $500 off every entry and patio door, plus 5% off for word listeners only. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com. Cloudy early tonight with a bit of light snow or some flurries, and there can even be a little freezing drizzle mixed in that can create some icy spots. Lingering clouds later tonight, low 20. Clouds will give way to some sunshine tomorrow, 33 degrees. Clear tomorrow night, low 26. Mostly sunny and milder for Friday with a high of 48 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Coming up next, Mark Galley, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today and the author of the book God Wins, Heaven, Hell, and Why the Good News is Even Better Than Love Wins. And here is Mark's story. I'm Mark Galley. My story begins with an argument between my mother and my older brother. 
my older brother was, I think he graduated from high school at the time, so he was in that stage of adolescence in which he was fighting my mom about everything, and she was fighting with him about everything, and she finally got exasperated and prayed to God. She wasn't a Christian at the time, but she prayed to God, uh, if you will get my son to go into the Air Force, I'll become a Christian. She'd been being witnessed to by some relatives. So she said that prayer, and then the next, that day or that evening, my, my brother came home and said, yeah, I have uh, enlisted in the Air Force. <laughs> so she felt she was trapped, in a sense, by God. So she started going to church, and in the course of going to church, she uh, herself became a Christian. And the way things worked in our family, if my mother got into something, everybody got into something. Yeah, everybody in the family got into it. So she started having Bible studies in our home around the uh, dining room table every night. Not once a week, not once in a while, but every single night. Um, so it was me, my brother, my uh, older cousin who was living with us at the time, and my mom. My dad did not participate. And we would just, we started with the book of John. We didn't have any idea what we were doing. We just, uh, the pastor of the church where my mother was dragging us now, said, well, why don't you start with John? So we would read John uh, and just try to figure out what the heck the Gospel of John was saying. Uh, over the course of a few weeks and months that we did this, probably three or four months, uh, and going to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night at my mother's bidding, I became, the old-fashioned phrase is, convicted of sin. I became convicted that I needed to confess my sin to God and trust in Christ. So as, as Christmas started to come forward, I decided I didn't want to live with this guilty, uneasy feeling after Christmas, or especially during Christmas Day. So I remember the Sunday before Christmas, it was December 19th, I said, I'm going to just go, for, I'm just going to raise my hand. This was a church that had an altar call every week. Um, so I said, I'm, I'm going to go forward. I'm just, it wasn't normally an altar call, it was just a raising of hands. So I said, I'm going to raise my hand during this, during the altar call, during the commitment time. So the pastor gave the commitment and I raised my hand and son of a gun if he didn't say, well this week I'd like to do something a little different and have everyone walk forward who's raising their hand. So that was pushing the envelope as far as I was concerned, but I'd, I'd made the commitment so I went forward, had a tearful prayer with a deacon of the church. So I was really looking forward to the following week so I wouldn't feel guilty anymore during the sermon or when I was reading my Bible. And son of a gun, if the next, next week during the altar call, I felt just as guilty and just as compelled to go forward. <laughs> so it didn't solve my problem. It didn't solve my psychological problem. And I was kind of surprised. But there was something about what happened on the previous Sunday that struck me as I had made a decision. I had made a commitment. And that was that. And I think that was probably a gift of the Holy Spirit instead of being disillusioned and angry about the fact that this didn't solve the problem. I think it was a gift of the Spirit to say, well, now, you, now you're a Christian and this is what it means. And despite my poor motives, very self-centered motives, just to get rid of a, a negative feeling, uh, it's, the amazing thing to me is that God has held me to that commitment graciously through, obviously, in any Christian life, through a series of ups and downs, through doubts and concerns, uh, and actually through successes. Sometimes it's hardest to be a Christian in the middle of successes. Um, 
because it, in spite of that paltry beginning, um, and that's that is just one of the reasons I believe so passionately in the grace of God. Because the beginning of my Christian life was anything but noble or good, pretty self-centered, pretty myopic. Uh, but God has been good and held me to it since. That's Mark Galley, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today and the author of the book God Wins, Heaven, Hell, and Why the Good News is Even Better Than Love Wins. 101.5 WORD. Here's what's happening today on Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. The troubles you're going through right now, this is a test. They test your faith so that it is strong and pure, just as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. Some of you are going through the fire right now. Keep going. What do you do when you're going through hell? You keep going. You don't want to stay there. You keep walking. When you're going through the fire, you keep going. Daily Hope with Rick Warren. Tomorrow morning at 11 on 101.5 WORD. For so long, I'd had that little hidden sin. It was a secret. No one knew. So I'd convince myself it really wasn't hurting anyone. But but what if my wife or kids found out? Mm. Harmless? It would have ruined me. The problem was, who could I talk to? I needed someone I could confide in, but, but this was so personal. Who could I trust? He found someone to trust, and so can you. We're Faithful Counseling, the world's largest platform for faith-based professional counseling. All of our licensed and experienced counselors are qualified and certified by the state board, and many are trained in addiction counseling. But more importantly, we share your Christian values. Available 24-7 by text, messaging, phone, and video conferencing, all from the comfort of your own home. Try it for the first week free by going to FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word TRUST. That's FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word TRUST to get your first week free. Faithful Counseling, we're here when you need us. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Jim, would you sponsor my son in the fun run? Sure. Here's a dollar. Jim, I know a senior manager with your experience makes between one hundred and one hundred and thirty-two k. Oh, there's five. Thanks. Hey, Sue, the director with a median salary of 95000 Got a sec? How we find jobs has changed. On Indeed.com, our company reviews give you the inside track on thousands of companies. You can research salaries, benefits, company cultures, and more. Search for greatness. Search Indeed, the world's number one job site. Indeed is the world's number one job site according to Comscore Total Visits. 
If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, get twice the ice for half the price. Prince Skate Arena at South Point is offering half off public skate punch cards, 10 sessions, just $45. Or half off stick and puck punch cards, 10 sessions, just $50. Prince Skate Arena, family entertainment on ice. Log on now to wordfm.com and look for the Discount Shopping Club link. If I told you my story, you would hear hope, they wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love, but never gave up. The Reverend William Glaze is a pastor right here in Pittsburgh at Bethany Baptist Church in Homewood. And here is Pastor Glaze's story. This is William Glaze, pastor of Bethany Baptist Church. And as far as my conversion testimony is concerned, I grew up here in the city of Pittsburgh, uh, actually on the suburb, on the east side of Pittsburgh, a place called North Braddock. My desire was to play professional football, and you'll see how that that is uh, directly related uh, to uh, my testimony. I grew up from the time of eight years old, and that's my dream. And so I had the opportunity to get a scholarship to a small school out in Colorado. I went to uh, Colorado and and actually, again, as a person that didn't know Christ, uh, my objective was to party and to have a good time. And so my first year in college, uh, I did exactly that. And I think I came out of that particular uh, semester. I've never heard anybody give a lower uh, GPA, but I think I had like a .09 because I didn't Pass any classes uh, at all. As a matter of fact, I got all F's and, and D's. And so I came back. They gave me a chance to come back in the spring, and I, I did do a little bit better. But uh, found out that you know college wasn't uh, at that time uh, particularly for me. Even though I loved being there, I loved the environment, I loved the the party life. Uh, yet still, I knew that uh, as far as the academic part, you know that that seemed to be something that I really wasn't interested in. So I came back to Pittsburgh and uh, actually started working in the steel mills and worked in the steel mills for a year. And just like I found out that college uh, wasn't for me, I came to the conclusion that uh, working in the steel mills was was not for me either. And so I had the opportunity uh, to uh, get back in college and I went back to college. And again, I was primarily going back. I had a you know, a little different focus this time. I, I felt like, you know, I knew what it was like to work out in the workforce and just really didn't want to, you know, uh, be in the steel mills uh, for the rest of my life. So, I, you know, I had this opportunity to get back into college and play football. And so I had done so terrible the first year that I had to come and take some summer courses. And uh, also, I remember uh, the coach you know, he got me this class, and I and, and I needed a certain amount of hours to be eligible, and I never 
set foot in the classroom, but I remember the class was the history of ghost towns in Colorado. And I, I took that uh, particular class, uh, signed up for it. Again, didn't have to go to a class, paid my money. And I think I ended up with a B in the class and, you know, never attended. And, you know, after I got saved and got my heart right with God, you know, I made sure that I, I got uh, more than enough credits to uh, graduate because I didn't want to graduate knowing that I had a class on my uh, transcript that I hadn't really attended. Uh, so I was able to get back into college that fall. And as I got back in, you know, I, I seemed to be a little bit more serious about my academics and uh, met this young lady uh, who, you know, we began to grow closer and closer. And as that year went by, you know, we did a lot of things uh, together and some things that weren't edifying to the Lord. Uh, but I remember uh, getting ready to leave for the summer. And uh, before I left, you know, this young lady had tugged at my heartstring and I proposed and asked her, would she marry me? And she said yes. And so, uh, she, you know, I was excited about that. So I left uh, Colorado coming back to Pittsburgh, uh, realizing uh, that I had a fiancé and I was uh, going to get married uh, sometime the following year. Well, you know, the Lord began to work on my heart and just began to move in certain ways. And there was uh, uh, one of my friends, you know, we were standing out on the corner. And uh, uh, I hate to say this in my testimony, but it's a part of my testimony. Uh, we were out on the corner, and we were getting high. And a uh, guy who got high used to get high with us. You know, we used to stand on the corner and smoke dope. And he was uh, one of the guys that introduced us to it. Well, this was years later, and he came by, and we had heard that, you know, we said he was quote-unquote religious and uh, realized that, you know, he was coming, he probably was going to, you know, talk some religious stuff to us. So, you know, we kind of, you know, put down our our drugs, and he came by and he started talking. And the rest of the guys, you know, they were really just trying to uh, hurry up and move him on with what he was going to do and, and so that he could get, you know, go down the road. Uh, but there was something in, in my heart that the Holy Spirit began to uh, tug and say, you know, he has something that you need to hear. And so... You know, I quietly uh, went over to him and I, I said that, you know, I really would like to talk to you after a while. I was still kind of uh, embarrassed in front of the rest of the guys uh, to let them know that I wanted to talk to him. But so I kind of went to the side and, and he said, sure. So he came back uh, later and it was on a Sunday and uh, he came back and he asked me, uh, did I want to go to church with him? And I said, uh, sure. So that Sunday evening, uh, we went to church. And uh, as we went to church, uh, I, I remember, and, and this is, uh, you know, back in the 70s, this would have been a significant uh, element of my testimony, is that it was an all-white church. And, you know, he was uh, the only uh, black person in there. And I remember going and the, the preacher uh, preaching uh, a message that night and giving the invitation. And when he gave the invitation, uh, I kind of looked up, knew, knowing that, you know, I didn't know the Lord and I, that God was tugging on my heart to draw closer to him. And so I looked at my friend and he was looking at me as the invitation was given and just had this smile on his face. And, you know, and it seemed like that smile was my encouragement to go forward. And, and, and I remember saying to myself, man, you know, I'm not going to go 
uh, up in front of all, all the white people in this church. And, uh, and he just kept smiling. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit that allowed me to overcome you know, any uh, intrepidations that I had about going forward. And so that night, you know, I went forward and the pastor, you know, he opened up the Bible and he shared the gospel with me. And I, I prayed that evening and received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I remember one of the things that the pastor said to me after he was uh, finished uh, leading me in the prayer. He said, wow, he said, I, 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 hardly, I can't believe that you came forward tonight. He said, I really didn't preach a strong salvation message. And I just said in my heart, well, you know, whether you preach a strong salvation message or not, you know, God was just working in my life and, and, and God was moving. And, and that was the reason that I came forward. And I, I remember it was, it was thundering and lightning and pouring down rain outside. But when church was over, you know, I went out and as, as, as dark as the night seemed, it seemed like my whole world had lit up. And the reason that my world had lit up was because uh, God had lifted that burden that I had been carrying all my life, that sin burden that was weighing down on me. And I didn't even realize it. Uh, all those years I had carried that around and, and the weight was just heavy upon me. And that night when I gave my life to Christ and asked him to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, that God lifted that, uh, that sin burden and, uh, and my life became uh, completely different. And so that was uh, how I came to Christ. And, you know, as I think about my call to the ministry, uh, I had the opportunity, going back to the football thing, to try out for the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. And I'm going to make a long story short. And after uh, not making with either of those professional football teams, I remember sitting in a room in Denver after I had been told that I couldn't join the squad for the Denver Broncos that the Lord began to speak to my heart about preaching. And I remember in that room, I just lifted up my hands and lifted up my heart and said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. So that's my call to the ministry. So in uh, testimony, I hope that it will be a blessing to you as I shared how I came to Christ and how I received my call to the ministry. Uh, God bless you, and I pray that he would just smile upon me. That's Bill Glaze, pastor of Bethany Baptist Church in Homewood, PA. Anchored in Jesus is heard Monday through Friday with Pastor William Glaze, 7 p.m. here on Word FM. This is Robin Trzinski of the Original Mattress Factory. Interested in that half-off mattress sale? Don't be. Most retailers are just promoting half-off a completely made-up price loaded with huge markups. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have never had a sale. Our hand-built quality and value are there every day, and our prices don't change. So take your time and purchase only when you're ready. Don't buy into the half-off sale hype. It simply isn't real. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. The Forever Mark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage. Passion determination for your tenderness spirit and the way you love for all that you are the forever mark tribute collection a diamond for each of your qualities forever mark beautiful rare responsibly sourced explore the forever mark tribute collection at trinity jewelers mount nego road 
Visit TrinityJewelers.com. There's a girl in El Salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer. There's an elder in Uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own. No two dreams are the same. Help one person achieve theirs at Unbound.org. If I told you my story, you would hear hope. They wouldn't let go. If I told you my story. Hey, welcome back. We're so happy that you're with us today. Sharing like we are, listening to these testimonies of people that have one thing in common. They recognize their sin nature and they ask the Lord to come into their life to change them forever. Here's what's, uh, I mean, there are a lot of things that are really impacting me about this. But I have to say personally, these are all people I know. These are people that we've known, John, some of them for years. I mean, how long have we known Bill Glaze? I've never heard that story before. Neither have I. <laughs> I love it. And and I feel like I know Bill in a completely different way now because I know that. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Bill grew up in North Braddock. I grew up in Swissville. We were, you know, almost neighbors. We shared a lot of commonality in that story. I get that. I understand where he's coming from. And, and you know, the funny thing is when you hear, like, you know what? When I remember when I first became a believer, and people would say, "Hey, brother," and I'd think, "What? I'm not. I'm, I was a little, you know, sort of uncomfortable with that." When I hear Bill's story, or I hear York's story, or mm-hmm. I think that is my brother, mm-hmm. that is my sister. Mm-hmm. There is that common thread through us, right? There's Which that- is funny because your story has nothing in common with Karen's story, no. and yet you you still have this. We're family. Yeah. I mean, when you hear York Moore's story, if you didn't miss that story, or I if mean, you you mean if you didn't if miss you didn't if you miss York's story, what an incredible story! Uh, only because it's twisting and turning, and you know, from the start, in some ways, people always talk about you know, uh, I'm the product of my upbringing, right? Uh, whatever failings I had or whatever success I had in my life, I'm the product of my upbringing. Well, look at York's story. Look at his upbringing. I mean, by all accounts, York should be a madman. When he, you know, the Moors, atheists, it was in the front of their house. On the mailbox. On the side of their house, they had a barrel, which was the, the Bible burning bin. And then his father, an addict and homeless and all that craziness, all that insanity. And so what does it tell us that... Nobody's story is the same. So we heard, we just heard Bill Glaze's story a few moments ago. Um, a local Pittsburgh kid who grew up wanting to play in the NFL, like a lot of kids in Western Pennsylvania do, yeah, right? Dream. And then you hear York's story about growing up in the Midwest in an atheist family, and it, not just an atheist family, but like a profoundly anti religious family. <laughs> yeah. And then earlier in the show, you heard Karen Swallow Pryor, who grew up in a family of, you know, a super literate family. Yeah. You know, books were, books were everything to her. Um, and so th- the fact that these situations, these economic places, these cultural um, pockets. Personalities. Every one of them is just so different and so I guess it would make sense that God, uh, you know, approaches each one of those people in a different way. So the way God 
met York Moore is totally different than how he met Bill Glaze. How can that be? I mean, again, I, uh, the thread for me throughout all these stories is that I think about the larger, greater God, you know, only in the, the majesty of God, in his universal size and scope and acclaim, the, the, the power of all that. And then you think about God, the personal God. The tiny god, the the. Well, you're not saying those god. are different gods, are you? No, but you know the t- all the different sides of God, the different attributes. Yes, you know the small god who comes to us in our sleep or in our brokenness or in our, our bathtub. Fear. Yeah, York was he eight years old in the bathtub. And 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 York saying, "God, you have to go away now." My my dad said, "You know, my dad's going to get mad. I got to stop talking to you." But God is so great and will not be denied. I I, I just. I love the fact that the God of the universe says something to a seven-year-old kid in the bathtub and then he gets yelled at by his mom and York says, God, I got to stop talking to you. My mom and dad. Yeah. Get back. But it's kind of like God held a bookmark. <laughs> so awesome. God was going to come. I'll, call, I'll come yeah, back. Yeah, I'll come back to you. I got you. Yeah. Okay. How can that even be? I don't know. I don't know. It really is this, you know. As much as our days are are just the uh, just human stuff, there are just moments of supernatural connection. Yeah, there are. I mean, you know, a little earlier in the show, outside of the testimonies, outside of the conversion stories you heard, we're talking to to to, to Roger Olson, and he was talking about people, you know, in other countries more readily available to look at the God of the universe and believe in miracles, right? Mm the supernatural God. And here in, you know, in the West, we're super rational and we like to explain everything and we, we like God to in be, a box. we like to be scientific about how we look at stuff, everything. Yeah. We feel better about ourselves. I think if we're reasonable, well, I guess it's easier to digest in some way, right? I think They're, it just makes us feel like we're in control. I don't know. So if we can explain it, if we can put, you know, a circle around it, if we can, you know, to underline check. it and check mark it, and put it in a list, then it's something that we can control, that we can understand. The problem with God is that if he really is the creator, we can't put him in a box. That doesn't, it's not like a clock can figure out the clockmaker. Yeah. The clock can't do that. The clock is only a creation of the maker. If you've ever been with anybody uh, on their journey as they, they pass from life to death, I've done this several times with with family and with relatives, and and in those final, you know, whether it's days or hours, there's always a peace that comes upon people as they die. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions, but the the people that I've been involved with in their in their journey to death, there's a a sense of peace. And I and when I first time I witnessed that, I was kind of shocked, surprised by it, because I would have expected there to be a struggle, something, you know, hard, that w- it was hard to die. But more often than not, the God is with us, and he is, you know, that presence of calm and ease in some way in our lives. And, and I think about surrender, that the sooner I surrender, the better things will be with me, because I why don't you trust want, in Why him. don't you want your life to start right now? If God has already said he'd give us the gift of eternal life, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you ask for that to start 
right now? I guess because I think some ways I know better, right? Ask for that to start. Ask God in your life to have that start right now. Hey, thanks for being with us as always. It's a great pleasure. Any of the stories you heard today are up on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, or on the web, johnandkathyshow.com. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.